Howdy everyone, my name is Joshua Rogers. I am a sophomore at Charleston Southern University in the biochem department. I was born actually in Greenville, South Carolina, but moved to Charleston, South Carolina when I was about five years old. Um, I've been in the church my entire life and I was born and raised in a Christian home. So I can remember when I was about four years old, I went to my mom and was like, I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And I can remember uh, praying that prayer with her in the kitchen that day. But it didn't really mean much until uh, later on in my life. And at about ninth grade, I had a teacher uh, who really challenged me to pursue God more fully and to read scriptures and just to spend time with Him and fall in love with Him. And it was amazing and I can remember uh, reading things and starting to journal and really just understand what it meant to love God. But also at this time, I had started to get into uh, pornography. And so there was this sin in the back of my mind that I knew was there. And I was trying to lead people to Jesus, but I felt like there's something wrong with me. And uh, I kept being like going back to God, but nobody knew about it. So it was just me and God fighting. And it was really hard. And I still remember one time, I just was like, God, I'm done with this. Like, I don't want this in my life anymore. And I had been clean for a while. And uh, this was actually into like a sophomore, junior year of high school. And I can remember I walked into the kitchen and I, uh, God was like, I watched my life in the weirdest way, like reverse back to the time that it started, and God erased it, and it was just gone. He's like, Josh, that's what I've done uh, to your sin. It's gone. It's no longer there. And I can remember like the joy that I felt in that moment that like I am forgiven, and that this God who loves me took my sin away by dying on the cross, and it just was crazy um, starting to fall in love with him from that point of view that he had taken it, and it was gone. And I can remember seeing people in my high school start to get changed. And we even had a chapel that went for two and a half hours where people were just uh, falling on their faces before God. And it was so cool to see um, Him work in and through me and uh, just because He'd forgiven me. And it was so awesome. And then uh, I graduated high school and I was looking for a church to get involved in. And I remember I had gone to Northwood Student Ministries before and I just for whatever reason didn't like it. And so I was afraid to come to Genesis because I was like, I'm probably not going to like it again. And But I like finally bit the bull and was like, all right, I'm going to go. And I went and I remember talking to some people who I relatively knew and uh, they just really made me feel welcome. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And I got started getting involved and um, small groups started starting up and I had stood along, alone for a long time and fought, like I said before, just me and God over things. And when we started talking about small groups, I was like, man, I need this. And I remember I was sitting in uh, the chairs and just like crying because I was like, I've been standing alone so long and it was exhausting. And so I got involved in small groups and they were like one of the best things that happened to me. I could just go and sit with a group of guys who are also fighting and struggling and, and standing strong in their faith and just hear what God was doing. And it was huge for my life and really just propelled me further. Now I lead a small group actually and just love uh, helping other guys um, stand strong together because that's really where the body of Christ is. We're, we're one church, one family. And it's been so cool for me to be involved in Genesis in that way. All right. Everyone give a round of applause for Josh for sharing his story. That was great. Well, welcome to Genesis. I hope you guys have had a great night so far. Uh, we love having you guys here, and we don't take it lightly that you, that you made it out tonight. And I know that God's got something special in store for us, as he always does at Genesis. Uh, if you spend any time around me, you know that I love stories. I love telling stories. I love hearing stories. And so because of that, I wanted to share with you one of my favorite stories. Can I do that? Okay, cool. So this happened about six years ago. I was a senior in high school. And 
at my, at my school, they had something called senior privileges, okay? So if you're passing all of your classes, you got these certain senior privileges, and one of them was that you could leave campus for lunch. And so one day, uh, my friend Philip and I, we went to Taco Bell for lunch. Uh, we got Taco, Taco Bell fans. You know, yeah, Taco Bell, Taco Bell gets a bad rap, but I love Taco Bell. Taco Bell is incredible. Uh, also cheap, which is a, which is a plus. Uh, so we, we go to Taco Bell. We come back. It was time to come back to school, go back to our next class. And the problem was we had a leftover taco. And we were like, well, what are we going to do with this taco? Like, we can't just leave it in our car. You know, it's, it's going to go bad. And so I was like, what are we going to do with it? And so Philip had the bright idea. He said, oh, well, this is what we should do. He's like, we should put it in somebody's car. Just leave it in somebody's car. And I was like, okay, like, that sounds good. But the problem, I was like, what about, like, I mean, who leaves their doors unlocked? Like, nobody does that. And he's like, yeah, that's true. And then I was like, wait a second. I was like, I actually do know somebody that always leaves his doors unlocked. And I don't know why he always did. But it was my friend named Zach, and he always left his car doors unlocked. And he drove, like, this dark green 1990s Chevy Blazer, okay? So uh, I was like, all right, let's put this taco in Zach's car. So I go up to... I go up to his passenger door, and sure enough, it's unlocked, and I open it, and I take the taco still wrapped in the wrapper, the Taco Bell wrapper, and I stick it under the passenger seat, under the, under, under the seat, and shut the door, and moved on. Forgot all about it. Fast forward about eight months. <laughs> We're in college. This is my first semester. Zach and I are driving around one day, and we are in his 1990s Chevy Blazer, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat. And I looked at him and I said, hey, you remember that time I put that taco in your car? And I'll never forget it. He's driving, looks at me and goes, what taco? And I said, oh, I reached under the passenger seat and pulled out the same exact taco and it was still in the wrapper, and it had all but decomposed. So I love that story. I, I, I always love telling that story because it has like these, you know, this, this turn that you don't expect, which I love, and it's, it's so funny. Uh, but every story, it has a certain element to it. You know, it has these, uh, the, the main character, right? It has the main character, and then the main character encounters a conflict. And then after the conflict, we see some kind of plot twist or a turn of events. And, and then the, the climax of the story, we see the problem or the conflict gets solved. And then the ending is usually how life has progressed since then. And so tonight, we're continuing our series, Your Story. This is week two of, your, of our series, Your Story. And we're, we're getting to hear these, these testimonies from people within Genesis. And we're also going to be talking about how to make your story what God wants it to be. So if you think about your favorite movie or your favorite book or your favorite TV show, it's all, got, all of them have those elements to it. And so when you, great, when you hear a great story that you love, you can easily retell it. Stories have a way with people that it's just kind of how our brain works. We can get so easily absorbed or engrossed in a story. It's just it's the, way we, the way we tick. And, and Jesus knew that. And so that's why he always spoke in parables and in stories, because it helped us remember or help, helped us remember them. And so you just saw Josh Rogers' testimony, which was a powerful story about God erasing your past. And that's what we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, tonight's message is going to be short and sweet. I'll probably speak for about 15 to 20 minutes, and then we'll sing a song, and then we'll go into some table talk time. So you won't have to hear from me very much. Okay, so 15 to 20 minutes, so settle in. Um, so with that said, the power of your past 
can be very great, but it's not supposed to be. The power of your past can be very great, but it's not supposed to be. And so tonight, I want to share with you a common story from the book of Acts. And it's the story of the conversion of Saul to Paul. And so if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. And while you're turning there, I want to set the stage for this story. Uh, At this point, Saul was a Jewish man. He was raised in the Jewish faith. He was highly educated, he was highly influential, influential, and he was highly teed off about this Christian movement that was happening. And so because of that, he had decided to start his own movement, one that ravaged the early church and murdered early Christians, literally dragging them from their houses and imprisoning them or killing them, men and women. And then in this Hollywood-esque plot twist, we see the leader of the people that he's been persecuting meet him in the street. And he confronts him about what he's been doing. And it's Jesus. And so that's what we're going to read starting in verse 4. This is Acts 9, 4 through 9. This will be on the screen. This is what it says. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So Jesus confronts him, and he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Jesus, in a way, says, okay, allow me to introduce myself. And when he does, when he tells him who he is, we see Saul on the ground, and then he ends up losing sight and has to get walked home by his friends. And so then we start to see what starts to be the turning point in the story. We see a man named Ananias get introduced to the story, who is told by God to go see Saul and go talk to Saul. And Ananias, as we all would have been, was a little kind of like, I don't know about that. Because Ananias was a Christian. He was a follower of Christ. And so Saul was infamous for killing Christians. And so we see Ananias kind of say, okay, like, I hear you, Lord. I hear what you're saying. But you got to realize you know, this guy kills people like me. Like he eats people like me for breakfast, okay? Like this is trouble for me. And God replies and says, you know, trust me. I have a plan for Saul. Go talk to him. So starting in verse 17, we see what happens. This is verse 17 through 19. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So we see the the scales fall from Saul's eyes, and he regains his sight, and we see the turning point in the story happen. Saul is then filled with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized. He then goes on to start proclaiming Jesus. God ends up changing his name from Saul to Paul. And then he goes on to be the most influential disciple of Christ to ever live. And honestly, if, we, if we're in here talking about Jesus tonight, it's, it's mostly because of the Spirit's work through Paul. I mean, he went and spread the news like nobody else. And I tell you that story tonight because it is one of many in the Bible that proved to us that our past does not dictate God's ability to use us. It's one of the many stories in the Bible that proved to us that our past does not dictate God's ability to use us. And honestly, you know, I read this story and not many of us probably have past like Saul. 
right? We haven't murdered. We haven't ravaged people. No, but I guarantee that every single one of us in here tonight, we have some things in our life that we wish we never would have done. We've either said some things or participated in some things or thought about some things that we wish we could take back. And so every single person has a past. And here's the thing. There's nothing that we can do about it. We can't relive it. We can't change it. We can't fix it. But we do serve a God who can redeem it. We do, we do serve a God who can redeem it. And, 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 and this is what I was thinking about. As much as we hate our past, it's kind of surprising how much attention we give to it, right? As much as we hate our past, it's kind of surprising how much attention we give to it. Because yes, every single person has a past, but also every single person has a future, and we serve a God who can use it. Josh's story that we heard tonight spoke to me in an incredible way. He talked about God erasing our past and allowing the grace of God to cleanse him and so that he could move forward. The stage was set for him early in life where he was standing in, standing in his kitchen at, a, at, a, at an early age and he gave his life to Christ. But then as he, as he grew older, as he started to grow up, he kind of found himself in this spot of being you know, ashamed of his sin and he started uh, encountering this conflict of sin and of shame. But then in this, this great story fashion, a turn of events occurred. Jesus, he encountered Jesus standing in that same kitchen, the same Jesus that saved him as a little kid. He had an experience with him later in life to where he felt Jesus and he felt his sins forgiven. And now while life isn't necessarily gonna be perfect or easy, he can now view it through a different lens. One of God's plan and one of God's purpose for his life. But let me ask you tonight. What if Josh had continued to let the shame of his sin and the shame of his past dictate his future? What if he had continued to let his past rob from his future? I think he would have been constantly held back from God using him. And it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been God holding Josh back. It would have been Josh holding Josh back. I think about my past and it's like, oftentimes it's on my mind and it keeps me from stepping out. It keeps me from doing things, serving in the church, wanting to, get to give my all. Cause it's like, man, who am I? I'm nobody. Mike holds Mike back, not God. Josh would have held Josh back, not God. Because here's the thing. We think more about our past than God does. We think more about our past than God does. Let me tell you this tonight. Every sin you've committed or will commit has been covered by the blood of Jesus. Every sin. And if you don't know that story, let me tell it to you tonight. Because of sin in our world, the stage was set for a savior. And then in an amazing turn of events, in an amazing plot twist, God decided to come down in the form of man born of a virgin, to live a perfect life. And then in what seemed like this hopeless conflict, he died a criminal's death, a death that we should have died. But then in the climax of the story, he defeated death and resurrected on the third day. So now we get to treat the past like a small little fish caught on a good day of fishing. We let it go. You ever been a bad night in a cheap hotel? I spent, I spent a few nights in a bad hotel. 
you know what? I think back to that. I don't really remember it a whole lot. It makes the good hotels a heck of a lot better. You know, a lot of times that's how our past is, right? We have a hard time forgetting it. We kind of remember it still. But at the same time, we think about how bad our past was in light of how great our Savior is. Man, it doesn't look too bad anymore, right? In the light of our Savior, the light of a good hotel, the bad night, and a cheap hotel, barely remember it. Because what you have now in Christ is everything. What you did in your past is nothing compared to what you have right now in Christ. Don't miss that tonight. Nothing you did in your past is even comparable to what you have right now in Christ. That through the cross, God took hold of our sin and he said, I'll take care of it. So now when we get caught trudging through our past or the enemy reminds us of who we used to be, we can answer with the fact that it's been forgiven and we can let go of it because it has no place in our life. It does not belong there. It has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now you can let go of your past, grab hold of your Savior. So last year was kind of an infamous year for celebrity deaths, right? So what do you see when a celebrity passes away? What do you usually see on TV? See like their picture, and then you see the birth year, and then you see the death year. What do you see in the middle between the two years? You see a dash, right? Okay. So I'm going to turn this around. So, Matt Goforth, what year were you born? 1998. Cool. I'm going to write 1998 right here. And uh, you good? Like you breathing? You're alive? Heart beating? All right, I'll leave that one blank. <laughs> Not a prophet. Uh, all right. So, thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Um, so, our life gets boiled down between two years, right? Birth year and our death year. And everything is summarized in this dash right here. And so as you move through your life, a little bit of this gets shaded in. Day by day, a little little bit gets shaded in piece by piece. Every season that you walk through, childhood, a little bit gets shaded in. Your college years, a little bit gets shaded in. Your young adulthood, those of you who are young professionals, this time of your life, a little bit gets shaded in. And then if you want to play it forward, maybe you shade some in for when you get married or when you have kids or when you buy a house or you pay off the house or when you retire, when you move to Florida and you play golf, okay? Eventually it all gets shaded in and your life gets lived. Wouldn't it be highly disappointing if we let this little bit that's shaded rob from all that is not shaded? Wouldn't it be disappointing, wouldn't it be foolish if we let this little bit of our past dictate everything that we have ahead of us? We get so fixed on what has already been shaded that we often lose focus on what is unshaded. Somewhere in this shaded part, you might find some mistakes You might find some failures, maybe some things you regret, maybe some things you wish would never have happened. But I'll tell you what, there's so much left to be shaded in. 
if I was a average self-help motivational speaker, this would be pretty good. If I was trying to teach you how to live your best life now, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You could leave here and say, all right, I'm going to make the most of my dash. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. This is pretty good motivation. I could write a book on that. The Dash by Mike Woodard. But you know what? That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to be your self-help motivator to try to help you live your best life now. What I'm up here to do is present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is pretty good, right? There's something better. 2,000 years ago on a cross at Calvary, through the sacrifice on the cross, when Jesus laid down his life, it was the Father's way of pulling out the eraser. And what he did was he erased the dash. And you know what he did? He gave us a brand new start. So that when we this, whenever this year comes, we get to be with him. How much of your dash are you going to let your past rob you of? Jesus is able to erase the shading and give you a brand new start. And every time that you might find yourself in a sin, find yourself in a struggle or a mistake, I want you to remember God owns the eraser. He's the only one with the authority to give us a brand new dash. I want to ask the band to come back up. Tonight is an amazing opportunity to experience the grace of Jesus. Tonight, you know how the stage was set in your life. You know the mistakes you've made. You know the failures you've experienced. But maybe tonight is a chance if you experience the greatest turn of events, the greatest plot twist when you give your life to Christ. Maybe tonight is an opportunity for you to experience Jesus erasing what's been shaded in. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to, for the first time, feel like your past has no authority over you. So tonight, as we respond to this song, I would encourage you, reach out to your Savior. Let go of the past. Hold on to Jesus. His grace, there's no outrunning it. You can't do too much that his grace can't cover. Everyone in here has a past, but we serve a God who can redeem it. And I believe that. So tonight, I encourage you that whatever it is, Whatever's been shaded in, that's been holding you back, I encourage you to lay it down tonight. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the amazing grace that saved people like me, like us, people that didn't deserve it, but you gave it to us anyway. And God, I am so thankful that you chose to leave your throne in heaven 
and create the greatest turn of events and come to earth in the form of a man and set us free from our sin. God, I thank you for erasing what's been shaded so that we can now focus on what's unshaded. God, you love us so much. And I pray over everybody in this place tonight that we can lay it down at your feet tonight and experience the fresh start and the fresh beginning that you offer us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.